This is the Build Wealth Canada podcast with Cornell Schreiber, session number three. Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt-free, accelerating your wealth, and taking control of your money. Now, here's your host, Cornell Schreiber. Hey, it's Cornell here, and welcome to episode three of the Build Wealth Canada podcast. And in this episode, what we're going to be talking about is really answering a really popular question when it comes to personal finance, and that is whether you should rent or whether you should buy a home. So this question really came to me from one of the listeners of the show who is looking to potentially purchase a home for the first time. And as I looked into this more and more on the internet, it turns out that this is a very, very popular subject. There's a lot of questions about this. But what I did find is that there isn't really a one-stop shop, one comprehensive guide that you can read or listen to or a video you can watch that really takes you through all the different things to consider. There's a lot of good articles out there, but I find, you know, there's a few good points here, a few good points there. So you you have to spend quite a bit of time doing a lot of research to really try to get all the main points and all the main things to consider before purchasing a home and deciding whether you should rent or or purchase. And so really that was the goal of this, uh, or that is the goal of this particular podcast episode uh, is to really be the one-stop shop, the, you know, the one, the comprehensive guide where you can listen to it and you can really learn about all the different things that you should consider before you decide to rent or before you decide to buy. And what we're going to do is we'll, we'll actually split the subject up into two podcast episodes. In this first episode, we're not going to be talking about whether you can actually afford a home. Okay, so we're going to assume in this particular episode that you have enough money for a down payment, that you have enough money to pay for the monthly expenses, that that financial piece is is taken care of. So assuming the money is taken care of, should you actually buy or should you rent and then maybe spend the difference, for example, investing it in the stock market, let's say, you know, buying index funds, for instance, where where will you get a better return, where, you know, in terms of your lifestyle, where will you be happier, things of that nature. And then in the second episode, what we're going to cover is all the different costs that are involved with purchasing a house. So, you know, if you go through this episode and you do the sort of analysis and you think about it and you decide, you know what, yes, I, I do want to purchase a house. That, that is something that is going to be a goal. It is something that fits with the lifestyle that I want. But what is it actually going to cost me? I mean, there's obviously the house price, but it, it's more complicated than that. There's there's a lot of different things in terms of in terms of fees. You know, there's, there's you know home inspection. There's lens transfer tax. So so there's the initial outlay, and the initial cash outflow that that occurs when you purchase the house. But then, of course, after you purchase a house, the expenses don't stop there. You do have your mortgage payments. You've got your property tax. You've got maintenance on the property, your insurance is likely to be significantly higher than if you were just taking renter's insurance. So there's all these different things that you really should factor in and consider so that you don't go and and purchase a home. And now, you know, you've got, you know, you're you're just scraping by barely to be able to pay for all the expenses. And and now you don't have enough money to invest for retirement. You're just kind of living paycheck to paycheck now because maybe you bought a house that's bigger than it should be. And so so that we're going to cover in the second piece, just so that you've got a good guide where you know what it's going to cost you or you know where to get these numbers and you know all the things that you should be considering. So what I'm going to do first is actually tell you really my own story about my own experience in purchasing our first home, the the home that my wife and I purchased. And actually when we 
purchased our uh, first home, I will admit that it actually was a mistake. We, at that point, uh, I mean, we're fresh out of university. I hate just the idea of being a renter. I just didn't want to do it for a few reasons. And, and, and actually, in that particular situation that we were at straight out of university, the better decision would have been to actually rent, but we decided to buy. So, you know, we definitely made, I would uh, say a pretty significant mistake there, you know, so, so made that mistake. And I wanted to really share that with you and, and why it was a mistake. And, and really hope my goal there is really to share you with you my experience so that if you're out there looking to buy your first home, that you don't make that mistake. And maybe you already own a home, but maybe you have kids that are looking to buy a home, or maybe you have friends that are looking to buy a home for the first time. So here I I really want to share with you some of the sort of mistakes that can really save you thousands, potentially tens of thousands of dollars if you plan this out correctly and you know and consider all the different options. And when it comes to real estate, it's it's really worth noting that this is probably going to be the biggest purchase of your life. And because when we're dealing with real estate, because we're dealing with literally hundreds of thousands of dollars, the mistakes can be pretty substantial, right? It's not like, oh, I bought something for $60. Turns out the product wasn't that good. I couldn't return it. Oh, I lost $60. I mean, here with real estate, we're in a completely different ballgame. I mean, we're buying something worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. If we make a small mistake, that alone can cost us thousands of dollars. If we make a big mistake, that can cost us tens of thousands of dollars. And, and so it really is worthwhile to, I would say, to take this seriously and, and to really think through all the different things, all the different considerations, actually do the math, see what's better for you, just so that you can make the right decision. All right, so without further ado, here is our story. So straight out of university, my wife and I left our hometown, which is where our family and friends were, and moved away to our new nice house. Now, everything was going great at first, but then it didn't really take that long for problems to start. So first of all, I noticed that the commute to work was actually much longer than what I thought it would be. So when we first bought the house, for example, my agent said that, yeah, it's, it's pretty close to work. It's like a 20 minute ride uh, to work. I thought that was reasonable for a commute. So, you know, sure, no problem, right? I check that, 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 that part of the of our house buying checklist was satisfied. I guess technically she didn't lie. I mean, the, the commute to work was 20 minutes, except that that's if you're, you know, maybe driving there on a weekend when you're not in rush hour traffic. Now, when you're working sort of regular hours at a regular job, you tend to leave somewhat during rush hour. And in that particular area, things got, <laughs> things were pretty bad. So instead of a 20 minute commute, which is what I was expecting, it was actually more like, you know, 40, 45 minutes at least. And, you know, during the winter or when there was construction or collisions on the roads, I I mean, sometimes it would take over an hour to get home. So I thought it was 20, turns out to be an hour. Uh, Now, what does this have to do with whether you should buy a house or not? Well, if we first rented the house for the first year or, you know, or rented an apartment, for the first year living in that city, we would have known that actually, you know, despite something being 20 minutes away, it can easily be double that, even maybe even more, if there is traffic, which there often is, or if there is a collision, which there often is. So by renting first, by trying out the city first, without committing to live there, we would have learned this, and it would have been a much smaller price to pay. And I mean, for me, I hate commuting. So so for myself, I mean, that alone was a reason to not want to stay in that house indefinitely. 
So really, what's the lesson here? Well, there's a great benefit in renting in a new city first, obviously, just so that you can learn how it operates, how is it the public transit, if that's what you're going to be taking, how was the traffic, like in my case. Really, living in there first and really sampling it, I would call it, really lets you make a better decision whether you should buy or not. I mean, once you're buying, you're kind of settled in there. You know, if something, if the housing market isn't doing that great, you might have trouble selling the house. You might be stuck there for a while. So keep in mind, when you when you are pumping that much money into a house, you do want to make sure that it is the right one, that it is in a city and in a neighborhood that you know is okay, not that you think and and hope that it's okay. All right, so that was really the first, uh, I would say, negative thing that came. And next came the crime. So basically, in the one year that we lived in this new home, we had our car broken into and, and they damaged the car as they broke into it. So that was not enjoyable. Also, we had someone try to break into our house. Now, fortunately, our alarm scared them off, but basically, you know, they kicked in the door and then tried to quickly make a dash to get as much things as possible. But the alarm went off and it scared them off. They knew the cops would be coming any minute. So they they fled. So fortunately, nothing was stolen, but we did have our door kicked in. I, I did have to, you know, get a new door. And, you know, if you've ever had your house broken into, it's actually a lot worse than, you know, we thought, really. I mean, it kind of messes with you psychologically a bit, right? I mean, because your home is supposed to be sort of your private, safe space. And when you know that someone can just kick the door in, barge in, and do something that you don't want them to, that really messes with you a little bit. If my wife's, you know, alone now, I see there's people in that city that would be willing to do something like that. And once we have children as well, right? At this point, we didn't have any children, but, you know, that's obviously something that really comes into mind. I mean, if there's people like that, you know, breaking into houses, uh, I don't know if I really, if I want to, you know, raise kids in a neighborhood like that, especially when we've had two break-ins in our first year living there. I mean, that's not a very good, (laughs) that's not a very good ratio, I would say. And it's not like we were living in some sketchy neighborhood and, uh, you know, nothing like that. We basically lived in one of those newer cookie cutter middle class neighborhoods, right? Where all the houses kind of look the same, but everything's new and modern and you don't have to maintain the house much and that kind of thing. So it wasn't that we just, we bought in some sketchy part of town and it's like, well, what do you expect? You know, then, you know, living there longer and longer and longer, we found out that there were other crimes and violence that was occurring in that particular city. There was even actually a murder uh, on an intersection that I pretty much drove by to work every day. Uh, You know, and so that kind of uh, is another thing that you think about uh, when you decide, well, do I want to raise children in this house, in this city, in the future. So once again, what does this have to do with should I rent, should I buy? Well, once again, we rented in that city first before we bought a house. In that one year, we would have learned that, okay, you know, here's kind of that neighborhood's uh, turns out there actually is a lot more crime here than, than we thought there was. And we probably would have decided to live elsewhere. That's something that we could have learned without actually purchasing a house there. So it's you know definitely something that we should have done. All right. And then the next problem that we actually came across was the the distance from the family problem. So while our families were only about an hour drive away from where we lived, we still only really got to see them once every two weeks. So now, you know, with our parents aging and our siblings growing up, I couldn't help but think that we were missing out on a lot of valuable family time. Also, you know, once we had kids, I thought, well, they wouldn't be able to see their grandparents as often. It's not like we can just drop them off at the grandparents if we needed them to take care of them, right? I mean, we were basically all alone 
in this new city. So so there wasn't much of a support network if someone needed to take care of the kids on a moment's notice, for example. So, you know, much, much different than our current situation now where we're back in our hometown. We have my wife's family here, my family's here. The kids now have a support network. They have their aunts, they have their uncles close by, they have their grandparents. Very, very different. Uh, you know, also what happened is I can't imagine myself being this, this old man uh, with my parents, you know, my parents are no longer around. And regretting that, well, I, I really wish I lived in a city that was closer to them so that I could have spent time with them while they were still alive, right? I mean, I know it's kind of a you know negative thing to th- maybe to think about, but you know, when you, when you don't see your parents as much as, as you'd like to and, and, and you know, you see them getting older and, and, and you know that if things are kind of moving on, it's, it's sad. It's not one of those things you can take back, right? I mean, there's only so much time you can spend with your parents and there's only so many activities you can do with your parents while they are still at a young age, while they're still healthy. You know, by moving away, we were kind of missing out on a lot of that, right? I don't know if that's important to everyone, but for us, that, you know, that, that was kind of a big thing too. And, you know, what's interesting is I didn't really anticipate this problem when we first moved. After all, we were, you know, two young professionals with nice new jobs after university, ready to take on the world and make our mark and all that kind of fun stuff. But, you know, it's interesting how our priorities change and just how they shift once you get older and you realize the importance of family and, and relationships. So, you know, basically, after living in a house for only a year, we decided to sell it and move back to our hometown, which is in Kitchener-Waterloo. So in this case, in our particular case, would we have been better if we rented instead of buying the house? And the answer to that is definitely. So for example, if we rented, we would, I mean, let's let's take a look at what we'd have to have done. We would have simply have to give notice to our landlord and really our only expense would be the moving expenses. We fulfilled our, our sort of end of the lease and, you know, the lease is up. We don't renew. We just have moving expenses, which is something we would incur if we bought a house too. So so really that, that would have been really simple. Now, if you wanted to get out of the lease early, sure, you know, we may have had some fees, but also we could have we'd be able to sublet the apartment, for example, or sublet the house if we wanted to for the remaining time that was left on the lease. So we could have avoided extra charges that way. And, you know, or worst case scenario, if you had to break the lease and, and you know, we don't want to sublet for some for some reason, we might have to forfeit last month's rent or maybe, you know, speak to the landlord and try to arrange some sort of deal with the landlord, maybe pay some extra fees, that kind of thing, just to be able to get out of the lease. Now, just as a sort of FYI, uh, keep in mind that the rental laws can vary from province to province. So, for example, when we lived in Nova Scotia, uh, you know the the laws weren't as renter friendly, you know, in terms of getting out of the lease and, and the fees you had to pay. Whereas in Ontario, it is more friendly to, uh, towards the renter. So, just you know, keep that in mind. Check out the CMHC, which is the Canada Mortgage Housing Corporation site. There, you can actually get the different laws uh, for the different provinces. Um, also, you can check out the show notes at uh, buildwealthcanada.ca/three. I'll have some links up there as well for those kinds of resources. But I mean, you know, I'm kind of getting off track here. Basically, the point that I that I want to make here is that even if we had to break our lease and and pay some fees, those would be a lot, and I mean a lot less than the fees that you have to pay. You know, the different expenses you have when you are selling a house. For example, you know, a property it did increase in value in the year that we were there, right? Which is so you know that that's great. But then you start hacking that away with all the different expenses you have to pay. So for example, you know, when we had to sell our home, well, we sold the home using an agent and the agents take a pretty substantial commission. So I mean, that really, really whittles down your appreciation uh, that you've had on that house 
if you have only been living there for a year, for example? And, you know, what if the property values went down? What if something happened? I mean, that you know, that happened in the States, for example. So now, you know, your house is worth less and, and you're still, you know, the agents still want their fees, right? So now you're, you're even more in the hole. So that's one thing that really cut into the appreciation that the house had. Then there's also the time and money cost of making everything look amazing. So, you know, if you're trying to sell a house, you pretty much want to make it look like a show home so that you can get top dollar for it. You know, whereas with a, a rental apartment, for example, I mean, it, it does not require as much effort. Uh, then there's also the lawyer fees as well. It was something that, once again, you would not have to deal with if you were just, if we rented, we wouldn't have had to pay these lawyer fees. Uh, on top of that, Sometimes what happens, you know, when you go and you sell a house is generally there's a home inspection that happens and then the potential buyers come to you and they're either happy with it or they'll say, well, we're not going to buy the house unless you fix this, this and this, for example. So that can cost you extra as well. Uh, and in our case, that actually happened. So uh, we, you know, we found a buyer for the house. We're, you know, we were happy with we, everything was fine. It was time for a home inspection. The home was pretty new, so you know we didn't really expect anything to really come up that that would be an issue. But it turns out that in the foundation there was a little crack. Now I know a crack in the foundation sounds sounds scary and, and serious, but actually uh, not all cracks in the foundation indicate that there is actually something wrong with the foundation. In fact, cracks occurring in the foundation, it, it, it is actually quite uh, quite normal and isn't something to be concerned about. Now, there are certain, uh, like if a crack fits certain characteristics, it actually does indicate that there is a foundation problem. So, you know, there's, there's kind of cracks that are just really cosmetic that don't really impact anything. And then there are the cracks that, okay, there's actually an issue here. Well, in our case, the crack was purely cosmetic. There was nothing, you know, it's not like the house was going to, you know, the basement was going to flood because there's a giant crack in the basement or that there's some foundation issue. You know, it was purely, purely cosmetic, but that didn't matter. The buyer, it was, you know, I think it was the first time that she was buying a house. She, that made her nervous. That crack made her nervous and she didn't care that it was just a cosmetic thing. She wanted that thing patched up and she would not budge on that. She, she wouldn't buy the house unless we fixed that. And so basically we had to spend several hundred dollars to basically have a contractor come out to our house get one of those giant digging machines and dig a giant hole in the side of our house so that he can seal the crack from the outside. So was that stressful during the house selling process? Yes. Was it expensive? Yes. Is that something that we would have had to deal with if we were renting? No, <laughs> right? So that wasn't pleasant. That, not, not something that's very enjoyable. Anyway, and if our, if our house, if we held the house for a long time and the house appreciated very, very significant amount and this little thing came up, or, you know, at that point it would be considered like a, a little thing, right? Because, you know, whatever, you, you know, you, you do it, you, you know, your house appreciated so much anyway, you're not out that much money. But in our case, we've only been living there for a year. So here is once again, another expense that is now something that we have to cover that's not going to be offset by the amount that our house, uh, our house price went up over the year that we held the house. All right, so that's just, you know, really an, another thing to consider. So instead of going through all of the above, all the headache, all the stress, all the money that we spend that, you know, didn't have to be spent if we just ended up renting, we could have just rented an inexpensive apartment, 
use the money that we would normally spend on property tax, house maintenance, the higher insurance fees. We could have just spent that in the market, for example. Like I, I would have bought, for example, index funds or, or ETFs, and, you know, put the money towards that. After a year, we would have moved anyway, right? Because you know, even though if our even though our house might have not got broken into, we would have still found out about the crime. We would have still found out that actually the traffic in the city is, is really bad and it takes too long to get to work. We would have still wanted to move back and be with our families, right? So regardless, we would have wanted to move back. And so in this case, renting would have been a much, much better, a much cheaper, a much less stressful course of action and would have taken up a lot less time for us as well. All right. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, Having a house definitely has some huge benefits. In fact, right now we own two houses. We own our primary residence and we also own an investment property that we rent out too. So it's not like I'm, you know, anti-home purchases, right? And I'm not, everyone should rent. That's definitely not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is that, you know, there seems to be sort of this common misperception I've noticed with, with some people that think, well, buying a house is always the best option because you're paying off your mortgage instead of be paying the landlord their rent. But what some people don't realize is that, well, depending on the house you buy, depending on what you're renting for, but you know, oftentimes the you know what you pay to own a house, all the different fees that come with that, generally it is more than if you just rent it. And as you know, my story I think indicates, being able to move for an inexpensive cost is is also something that's pretty significant. All right, so I mean, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you you know learned from some of the mistakes that we did as a you know young couple straight out of university, ready to to purchase their f- first house right away. It's not always the best option, and and it is important to consider different things. And when it comes to considering the different factors between buying versus renting, I find there's really two components. All right, so there's the financial component. And then there's also the lifestyle component. All right, so the financial component is okay. The place that we would like to rent for is going to cost X amount of dollars. The type of house that we would be okay living in costs this much money. We think we can get you know this much in the stock market to invest our money that we save by renting versus buying. Uh, you know, and therefore, and considering a whole bunch of other factors as well, we can decide. Okay, this is from a strictly financial perspective, renting might be better for you or buying a house may be better for you, right? So there's all these different variables. And actually, I do have a tool to share with you, which is basically a calculator that calculates whether you should buy or rent when it comes to these financial reasons alone, right? So it doesn't consider other some of the other things that I mentioned in my story or that I'll, I'll mention to you in a second. But uh, I do have a tool for you, so I'll, I'll give you that as well, all right? But that's the kind of the financial component, right? So if we're looking at strictly dollars and cents, this is what you should do based on this whole list of assumptions, okay? Now, the lifestyle component is something like, okay, the ability to move easily, as is the case, uh, for example, in our story, or having to, for example, maintain the property, whereas if you're renting, you don't have to maintain the property, right? So that's kind of more of a lifestyle thing, right? Like, are you, are you going to be mobile? Are you going to move around? Might you move from city to city or switch jobs often, right? I mean, that's, that's more of a lifestyle kind of thing. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first asked myself this question many years ago, when I was fresh out of school, question, what should I buy? Should I rent? I wanted a nice, easy answer. So should I buy? I just want a yes or no question. I, I secretly hope that someone has already done all the math for me 
and has determined that in every single possible scenario, it is better to either buy a home or it is better to rent. And then that way I don't have to do the math. I don't have to really think much about it. Just just do kind of what the experts say because they're right. And then someone did the math and that's always the correct answer. But, you know, so so that's that's kind of, you know, and I think a lot of us, you know, are guilty of that. Well, pretty probably everyone, right? We want, if there is an easy solution, we would rather have the easy solution you know, than the more complicated one. But, you know, when you start researching this question more thoroughly, and you start actually doing the math and, and you look at all the different considerations and the advantages and disadvantages of renting versus buying, there actually isn't really an easy answer. There, there really isn't. There are just simply too many variables to consider. And, and you know, depending on these variables, you know, it can either make a buying decision a no-brainer or it can make a renting decision a brainer, or you know it may be a tough decision because each kind of each option really has its different merits. So I mean, a person living in one country, in one part of the country where the real estate prices are a certain way, and you know that person's lifestyle for them, renting might be the best option. For a person living across the other, you know, at the other end of the country with sort of different priorities and, and different lifestyle aspirations, might for them the opposite might be the best option. So you know, I say all this because be very careful when you hear sort of certain generic advice. For example, when I was doing research for this particular post, you know, I I ran across some some articles and some uh, people that would say things like, "Oh, well, if you keep your house for five years." then it's better to buy. If you live in your house for less than five, then it's better to rent. Or, you know, another person said that three years is the magic number. So, you know, don't worry about your your own personal situation. Don't worry about what your money can earn as an investment, what, what the house price, you know, how much houses are appreciating. You know, don't worry about that. Just, you know, three years is this magic number, right? Where if you live in your house for more than three years, you should buy the house. Uh, okay, I mean, frankly, that that's a complete load of crap. I mean, you, you can't, follow these generalities like this because those things those numbers those those you know facts as they would call them they were based on certain assumptions and those assumptions might not apply to you for example if you live in an area where the rents are very high compared to what the house prices are then in that particular situation it may actually be a better option for you to buy because the price that you pay to buy a house versus what you're going to be paying in rent, it might actually be the exact same. So in that case, you're better off just buying because at least that way you are building some equity, right? Now, the opposite is true in other parts of the country, for example, where rents are very low compared to what the house prices are. So in those cases, you might be better off renting instead of buying a house and all that money you're saving because you're renting and you're not actually, you know, purchasing a house, that money you can actually invest in ETFs for example, you know, or index funds and you're at the end of the day in the long term you will have a, a much larger net worth than if you went and you bought the house. Then there are other factors to consider too. So for example, in, you know, if you choose to rent, right? And and you know, when you look at different articles and different comparisons, that's, you know, it comes down to the assumption that if you are renting, then you are actually investing the money that you're not spending on house maintenance, higher insurance, you know, property taxes that you're actually taking that difference that you're saving and you're investing it, right? And that investment is actually giving you a return, right? You're getting a positive return on your investments. So then, you know, the question comes, okay, well, if so if you're saying, yes, renting's better for me, you know, because, you know, for that reason and and yeah, sure, I'll, I'll invest, right? Well, when you make those investments, are they actually going to generate a positive return on investment for you over the long term? Also, 
are you actually going to be diligent enough to consistently invest that difference in the stock market? So after you've been doing this for a while, you're going to have this huge amount, you know, you're going to have this nice big portfolio, hopefully, you're going to have all this money. And are you going to then use some of that? to purchase a new fancy car even though you don't need it or take an extra vacation or you know instead of investing that difference this month well let's just use it for, for another vacation so you know is, is that what you're going to do are you going to just speculate in stocks i mean is that what you're going to be doing you think you can you know beat the market and make a lot of money that way well you know what if there's a market crash what if your predictions don't pan out right so you know there's there, there's these different components right are you actually going to invest this money and are you able to earn a decent ROI also, there's another component. For example, if there is a market crash, you know, there are definitely people that panic, right? I mean, things like if you think of 2008, oh, you know, the sky is falling and, you know, that's just people are, are selling and selling and selling their, their assets, basically, you know, all these equities that they own at really, really low prices. I mean, you know, just, just out of panic. So if, if that happened to you, where let's say there is a market crash, are you going to be able to say, okay, I'm going to ride this out. I'm going to hold on to those investments and wait for the market to rebound. Uh, like, like in this case, I'm speaking, you know, if you're investing, for example, in index funds, uh, are you willing to wait it out? Because if you know you choose to rent and you know invest your money, and then the market crashes and you decide to cash out because you know you're afraid of losing anymore, you don't want to wait it out. Well, maybe you would have been better buying now, right? Because you you really did you lost basically money in the stock market at that point. So I mean that's another pretty significant consideration. All right, so my story focused a lot about really why renting would have been better in our particular scenario. But uh, now let's, you know, let's flip the, the table a little bit here. Let's talk about why it might be a good idea to buy. So if you do buy a house and you pay off the mortgage quickly, you get some really huge benefits. So for example, in our case, you know, at 29, we had our mortgage completely paid off, right? So we, and we had no other debt. So we were, it was debt freedom. We weren't paying any sort of rent. We were, we had no mortgage payments. So, I mean, when you think about it, that is huge, right? That That's, you know, well over a thousand dollars that is now not leaving your account every single month, right? So think about all that you can do with that money. Now, if you're rent, if you took the renting option, you wouldn't really be able to do that. You would always have to be paying someone rent, right? You can't become rent-free by renting, right? I mean, there's there's always going to be that at the end of every month, you are going to have to pay rent. Whereas with a mortgage, if you pay it off, you're basically living rent-free at that point, right? There's still, you know, other expenses. But again, you don't have to spend over $1,000 just to live where you are. So when that happens, your risk goes down a lot, okay? So for example, if your mortgage is paid off, Right, and you're and you're not don't have to pay that amount of money just to have a roof over your head anymore. Well, what happens if you lose your job? Well, you know you can probably survive that, right? If like especially you know if you, if you have savings, you have an emergency fund, you know if you're managing your money responsibly, if you have a significant other living with you and they're still working, you can weather a job loss no problem because you are far from living paycheck to paycheck. Okay, what if you get hurt, for example, uh, and you can't work anymore? Well, once again, you don't have that giant rent anymore to pay. You don't have those mortgage payments to pay. So you are in a lot safer of a spot. You you just, you need a lot less to live on. Also, you know, what if you start having children and either you or your significant other wants to stay home with the kids? Okay, well, that becomes a much greater possibility. What if you want to quit your job and start a business or, you know, start a business part-time? Once again, much easier to do you now have that option because you don't have to worry about hitting that rental figure that you have to pay at the end of every month, okay? So like that is a huge, huge advantage. 
So just to give you an example from my own life, well, right now, for example, technically, my wife and I can be semi-retired. I mean, I'm, I'm 30, my wife is 29, and we're, we can semi-retire right now because we don't have that mortgage. So we can very easily survive off one full-time salary, or we can just both work part-time, you know, spend more time with our child, spend more time doing the things that we want. You know, so imagine not having to commute to work anymore. Imagine not having to, you know, sit in a cubicle for at least eight hours a day. Uh, you know, that probably wouldn't be possible if we still had this giant mortgage or, or, or had to pay rent every month. So the ability, the freedom, the options that that gives you is is very, very huge. In fact, right now, actually, we just had our daughter and my wife is on mat leave right now. So she's pretty much earning like a part-time salary just from the mat leave. And then myself, I actually switched my work recently to be on, for it to be on a part-time basis. And that's, and that's fine. And we still have money to invest for our retirement. So once again, that's just something that we were able to do because we did purchase a house and we did pay it off quickly. And now in terms of what we need to live on every month, it's, it's very, very little. So, I mean, that's kind of the nice peace of mind you get, right? Is no matter what happens, you know, if, if something happens in your life to make it difficult, right? That you can't just be working full-time anymore for whatever reason or don't want to be working full-time. Well, you now have that option. You now have all this extra cash flow every month. The other advantage of purchasing a house, of course, is the equity buildup, right? So generally, for example, in our area, the houses have been appreciating quite consistently for many, many years. And when you do buy a house, you know you are paying the principal down as well. So you're building equity that way. If you bought your house below market value as well, then you have some extra equity that's built up there already. So I mean, that's something you simply don't get with renting. The other thing too is that, at least here in Canada, your capital gains on your primary residence don't get taxed. So that's another nice thing that you get where you get this nice appreciation of your property and you don't get taxed on it when you sell it, right? So that's another you know, pretty significant benefit. The other nice benefit of actually buying a house is, well, you don't actually have to deal with the landlord. I mean, it's nice that the landlord can go and can fix things for you, but maybe you don't like dealing with the landlord. Maybe they have certain rules in your apartment complex that you have to basically comply with if you want to live there. Maybe they give you a hard time. Maybe they just really restrict your freedom and what you can do. So, you know, when you have your house, you have freedom. You can do whatever you'd like. You know, I remember when we, we rented once in Nova Scotia, and when we did that, I, I remember we wanted to put some, you know, some pictures on the wall or something. And and I remember, oh, shoot, I guess we have to look at our contract to see if we're allowed to put holes in the wall. I mean, I didn't know. It was our first time renting. And, you know, maybe they have rules against that. I don't know. So we, we had to do that, right? If we own the house, you don't have to ask anyone for things like that. You, you basically do what you want. Now, keep in mind, you know, if you do buy a con, right, there are certain rules that condominiums have, for example, right? So, you know, you definitely, before buying a condo, you do actually want to check the rules that they have and make sure that you're okay with them. So that's kind of the sort of exception, right? But when you're talking about a freehold house, like in our case, you can pretty much do what you want. Okay. The other thing you can do is you can do first depreciation. So if you own the house, there are certain th things you can upgrade in the house to increase the value of that house. So they, they increase your, maybe your standard of living a little bit, you know, certain things that you may add to the house. And also it increases the value of the house. If you're renting, you can't really do first depreciation. If you do something nice to the house, is the landlord going to, what, make you pay less rent every month? Is he going to give you money? Probably not. So there's, you know, your hands are kind of tied in regards to that. The other really big thing is that 
when you own the house, you can't be forced to move out. That is a huge thing. Moving is very expensive, plus it's quite a pain. You know, if, if you've ever moved before, and you probably have, it's always a lot more work than you, st- than, than you initially think, and it's just, it's a pain. It's not something enjoyable, it's expensive. And think of it too, if you have children, for instance, well, if the landlord now forcing you to move, let's say, well, now maybe the next place you find where you can rent, it might be in a different part of town. And maybe now the kids have to change schools or now school's a lot further for them, right? It's very inconvenient. It can be very, very disruptive when you're forced to move. If you own a house, no one can really kick you out. Now, in some places, there is rent control, and in other places, there is not. You, you would want to look up the laws in wherever it is you're living to see whether there's rent control. But in, you know, in some places, there isn't. So the landlord can increase the rents uh, as, as much as they want. Sometimes they have different restrictions You know, for certain provinces, for example. Like in Ontario, you know, that's something that's pretty tightly controlled. But if you buy a house, you don't have to worry about the rent going up. Or you know, if, if, if you're in an area that doesn't have rent control, then the landlord could really jack up the rents and you really may not be able to afford living there anymore. That's, that's, that's a pretty significant thing as well. The other thing too with owning a home is that I, I would argue that it is a relatively safe investment if you keep on top of things. So if you know your neighborhood, you know how your neighborhood's doing, you know what's kind of happening in your city, you know what's happening, you know, sort of the latest developments, then it is a relatively safe investment compared to, for example, I would say speculating on, on stocks, let's say, right? Like if you think a company's stock is going to go up in value, you know, you do your research, but you can't really probably don't work at that company, right? You probably don't know the CEO and, and and you probably don't know all the sort of inner workings that whether that the stock of that company will go up or not. There's limited information available to you basically, right? As, as a third party. If you own a house, then you will know, you can find things out, right? Like how is employment in the city that I am, right? Is, is there job growth, for example? Is the population increasing or decreasing? Is there something being built around my neighborhood or area that could change the property values? Are, you know, are they building a, I don't know, some, some sewage plant across the street from my house, for example, right? That might affect the property values. Well, you know, you're gonna, you know, if you stay on top of things, you can anticipate certain to a certain extent things that may alter the value of your home. So in that case, I would say you have a lot greater insight um, than if you were, let's say, investing in a company because you you don't really ultimately know what they're going to do. Now, the other nice thing is that you can actually refinance your house once you have enough equity in it, and you can use that equity to buy investment properties. So if you do want to be a real estate investor, you do have the option of doing that. And you may want to be one, you may not, but regardless, it's nice to have that option. All right, so that concludes sort of the nice benefits of actually owning a house. If you have any more that you if you think I missed any, definitely go to buildwealthcanada.ca/slash three. And right there in the comment section, definitely let me know if, if you have any sort of other considerations, or other sort of benefits that you think I might have missed. But I think if you listen to those or, or you read those on the blog, I, you know you definitely have, I would say, a really good handle on, on the benefits of buying versus renting. Uh, so now with that said, let's let's take a look at the advantages of renting. You know, some of them I, I already mentioned in my earlier story, but let's you know let's take a look at these just so that you're well informed. So the first one I would say would be the commute. So you know you may be able to find 
place to rent that is, let's say, somewhere in the city center or somewhere really close to your work that is pretty inexpensive. Whereas, for example, if you work in a city center, to buy, actually buy a house or, you know, an apartment in that city center, it may be extremely expensive. You, you may need to move somewhere out in the suburbs where it's a bit less expensive, right? So renting might help you out in regards to that. Now, the next thing is that if you are investing the money that you would normally spend, you know, on the expenses of a house, if you're investing those because you're you're renting, so your expenses are lower, then you should be a lot more diversified than someone that's basically tying up all their money in the house. So for example, if you are buying, you know, ETFs, which are very, very highly diversified. So now generally, I mean that is something that is safer than just tying up your money in a single property. Now, like I mentioned before, you know, if you're living in a house and you're keeping up with everything that's going on in the community, in your city, you know, you should be able to hopefully, hopefully find out if something might be occurring that could negatively impact your property values. But there's no, there's never really any guarantee, right? You, you don't have a guarantee that you will always know everything that's going to happen. Surprises can still happen. There is a risk involved. So because you're putting all your eggs in one basket, th- there is that risk. So it's something that, you know, you do have to face. So ideally, you know, you have a house, like, like, in our case, what we did is we paid off the house fully. And then as soon as we've paid it off fully, we started investing very heavily in ETFs. And basically, so at this point, you know, our, our expenses are very low because we don't have rent to pay. We don't have a mortgage to pay for. And the, the part that made me uncomfortable is that, yeah, we had way too much of our wealth invested in real estate, especially, you know, since we have a rental property as well, right? That, that, that's a bit risky. So I said, okay, well, now let's really start investing very heavily in ETFs so that we can basically have a very diverse portfolio of investments. All right, now the other really common advantage of of renting is that you don't have to take care of the maintenance. So, you know, last winter, for example, the house that I rent, the furnace broke, you know, middle of winter. So I had to go to the tenant. I had to, you get a professional to fix it, inspect it, you know, ended up costing me something like 400 bucks to do it, plus an entire day of work where I had to focus that and fix it. I want to make sure that the tenants were okay, that they're warm, all that kind of stuff. I think I brought them a heater as well, right? So, you know, that's if you're renting, right? I mean, that can, you have to take care of the maintenance, but if it's your own house and you're living in there well you know if your furnace breaks well you have to be the one that takes care of it you don't just call your landlord and they take care of the rest so that's something that that's a pretty significant thing you know the roof will need replacement eventually the windows will need replacement eventually you're going to have to mow the lawn most likely if your dishwasher breaks you're going to have to try to fix that or hire someone to fix that so i mean this is one of the advantages of course of renting right is you make a phone call and if you have a good landlord they will fix all these things for you and of course, another big advantage is the mobility. And I mean, this is something that when I mentioned my story earlier, I think that illustrated that very, very well, right? With renting, you just give notice, feel kind of your end of the deal as far as the lease goes, right? There just, there's just a lot less work, a lot less headache if you want to move and you're renting versus if you're trying to sell a house because you want to move, you have to prepare for the showings, you have to find a realtor. If you try to sell the house yourself, you have to do all the marketing yourself. You may need to repair parts of the house, like in my case with the foundation that I told you about earlier. If let's say you need to sell your house and it's right before Christmas and no one's 
purchasing houses at that time, well, you may have to hold it until a bit after New Year's, until people, the real estate market starts to pick up again. So while you're trying to sell your house, no one bought it, let's say, before Christmas. Well, now you're holding it for a while. And in the meantime, you know, you're still paying the mortgage. You're still paying the, the property insurance, right? You know, you're, you're paying for it, even though you don't want to be. All right. The other big advantage is stability. So if you are renting, your costs are pretty static. You pay your rent. You know what your rent's going to be every month. You know what your insurance is going to be every month. And you're, you know, you're pretty much done. If you rent at a place where utilities aren't included, then utilities really might be the only sort of variable that you do have to deal with. But you also have obviously control over your utilities as well. You know, how much heat, water, and electricity you use. So that's a very, very different thing than, for example, if you own a house and all of a sudden you find out that your roof is leaking and I have to spend thousands of dollars fixing that, for example. You know, maybe you need a new roof or something, right? I mean, there, there's all these different things that can sort of creep up, these, these big expenses. And hopefully, you know, if, if you've been smart, you've been saving, you have money set aside for those types of things. But that, once again, goes to show that with renting, you do get a lot of stability. You don't have to pay or worry about paying for these large expenses. Also, like I said before, you don't have to worry about lawyer fees. You don't have to worry about land transfer taxes when you buy a home. You might need mortgage insurance, which is another expense. Getting the down payment for your house might be a challenge as well. You know, So with renting, you just don't have to worry about any of that. Now, one thing worth mentioning too is that a lot of times comparing this buying versus renting, you know, we make the assumption that it's going to be a lot cheaper to rent in terms of your, your cash outflow every month than it is to own a house. Now, that's true, I would say, in many cases when you're comparing comparable properties, but be careful too, because you, you want to be comparing apples to apples, right? I mean, if you're comparing some house in a rural area, let's say, where the land's really cheap and the house, it's it's a little house, you know, it's not expensive. And then you compare that to an apartment in the center of the city in a prime location, very luxurious, expensive apartment. Well, it may very well be possible that that apartment is actually going to cost you more than if you were to buy that house in that rural area somewhere. So, I mean, that's just something to be careful of, right? It's not like renting by default is cheaper all the time than being able to, than the expenses you pay month to month to own a house. That's not always the case. So this is once again, why you do actually want to crunch the numbers. Don't assume that the rent is always going to be cheaper because it doesn't necessarily have to be. And then the other, I would say the last sort of big benefit is that if one of you loses a job or you have a wife and she gets pregnant, let's say, or one of you gets disabled or one of you hates their their boss and, and you want to move and, or something like that. It, it can be easier if you're renting, right? Because your cash outflow every month is a lot less. If you're paying you know, $1,600 a month, let's say, you know, in expenses to hold a house versus $1,000 to rent, you know, a similar place, let's say, with all of a sudden one of the people in the household can't work or, or doesn't want to work, it's much easier to live because you don't have that high expense. It's easier to come up with $1,000 than 1600 So renting does have that advantage over buying. But then at the same time, like I said before, if you pay your house off very quickly, like in our case, then you know, you're know you even better off than that, right? Because now it's not that you know we have these low payments. We actually don't have any payments at all. If you're mortgage-free and you own a house, you're kind of in the best possible position uh, you know the next best position is usually if you rent and then you know it's sort of the worst is okay you, you know you have this, this mortgage right because now your expenses are up there and if something happens to one of your income earners that's when it gets the scariest right like you may be forced to sell your house or something if you didn't plan for that or if you bought a house that's too expensive 
All right, so we just really went in depth and examined the advantages and disadvantages of renting versus buying. Now, that a lot of that really had to do with lifestyle choices, right? There were some financial components in there too, but a lot of it was lifestyle. And the next thing that I want to take you through is if you do the actual math, what will be the better decision for you? So you definitely want to consider the lifestyle factors, but obviously you also want to consider the math. Now, you know, before you turn this off, because it's math and it's, you know, can be arguably boring and you're driving, so you can't really do math anyway, I actually have a relatively simple solution for you that doesn't involve you building some financial models in, in Excel and, and anything like that. Uh, fortunately, there's actually a really, really good online calculator that I found, and they've basically done all the work for you. And basically what this calculator does is it makes you put in different information, different sort of variables for you, such as how much your payment is going to be, how what is the price of your home, how much do you expect to earn on your investments, things of that nature. And then it basically tells you whether based on that information, you are better off renting or whether you are better off buying a home. So for example, you know when I plugged in some information, depending on the variables I put in, it might say something like, okay, if you hold your house for more than 10 years, then you're better off buying. Or if I change the variables a little bit, like change my rates of return, change how much I'm paying for rent, it might say, okay, actually, if you hold your house for more than three years, you are, it's, it's better off to buy instead of rent. So it's a really, really useful calculator. And now this calculator was actually created by the Investor Education Fund, which is basically a nonprofit company that exists here in Canada. And they're, really their purpose is to help educate Canadians on the field of personal finance. So I do like the fact that it's nonprofit. So I really like how they don't have any sort of financial incentive to get you to buy a home or to get you to rent a home. For example, if I was trying to sell you a house, well, then I now have a financial incentive to try to skew the numbers, skew the calculator a little bit, make it little changes here and there so that you are more likely to buy a house, right? Because then I make more money. Also, you know, if I'm a landlord and I'm trying to rent you something, well, now I have that financial incentive to for you to decide to rent instead of buy. So, I mean, that's something that we should always ask whenever someone's giving us advice, whenever somebody is offering us something like this calculator is, well, what is really their, their financial motivation? And in this case, because they're nonprofit, because they're not trying to sell me a mortgage or trying to sell me some sort of apartment that I can rent on their website, you know, anything like that, I, I do feel that there's quite a bit of trust there. And at the same time, this is definitely a reputable website, a reputable company, I would say, that I, I definitely feel comfortable with when it comes to using tools that they create. All right, so the link to get to this online calculator, it's actually very long. So what I'll do is I'll put it in the show notes for this episode, which is buildwealthcanada.ca slash three, just a number three. So buildwealthcanada.ca slash three. And it is a free calculator. It doesn't cost you to, to use it or anything like that. And it really, really is useful. A little word of caution, though, is that it can be a little overwhelming. This is really the best calculator for renting versus buying that I've seen. And I've I've searched quite extensively to try to find the best calculator for you. And this is the best one that I've seen. And I really like how it does focus specifically on Canada, considering I'm living in Canada and there's a good chance that you are too. In the United States, for example, they are able to write off 
the interest that they pay on the mortgages, whereas in Canada, we are not. And I mean, that's a pretty significant thing, for example. So there's a lot of good calculators on the United States side. However, we really do want to use something that's Canada-specific, even for that interest deduction part alone. All right, so definitely use a Canadian calculator if you are in Canada. Now, because this calculator is so good, it's it's basically what makes it so good is that it's very thorough. It looks at a lot of different variables to help you make this decision. And while that's excellent, now sort of the negative part of that is that it can be very overwhelming, especially for someone that has never purchased a house before. So for example, I'll ask you questions like, what do you anticipate your house to appreciate every year? Well, if you've never owned a house, you don't really know for sure, right? You, you have to sort of research that information yourself. What do you expect to get from your investments? What is going to be the cost of your home insurance? Well, if you've never purchased a home, how are you supposed to know that? So some of these questions can be difficult for you to answer if you've never purchased a house or if you have, but you've never really tracked that kind of information, if you haven't really tracked your cost. And to really help you with that, what I would suggest you do is go on the show notes for this particular episode. So buildwealthcanada.ca slash three. And in the comments section, if there is a section, if there is a part of this calculator that you're not sure about, if there's a number where you're not really sure how to get it, what, you know, where do I get this information? Just in the comment section, ask me and I will do this for you because I've got basically gone through this process quite a few times already. I, I've read pretty much everything I could get my hands on regarding the subject as well. So I feel very comfortable providing that information to you. But I also don't want this podcast to go on for an hour and a half explaining every single component, every single variable, you know, what the common numbers are, etc. So go on the buildwithcanon.ca slash three in the comment section. Ask me if there's any part that you're not sure about. Another thing to be careful about when using this calculator or really just to keep in mind is that a change in just one of these variables can drastically change what the final answer is. So for example, by default, the calculator currently says that we're going to assume that the house that you purchase is going to appreciate by 2% per year. Now, if that's the case, if I plug in all my information for my house and I use that default 2% number, it says I should hold my house for 19 years. So basically keep it in the house, don't sell it for 19 years, and then it's worth it for me to buy the house instead of just to be renting for that time. However, when I put in my actual appreciation of my house, so for example, when I use my rental property and I put in what that house has actually appreciated, that amount is actually 3.38%. And so when I put that number in, the calculator now says, well, instead of 19 years being the amount you should hold the house, it's actually two years. So because my property is appreciating significantly more than the default, now it actually makes sense to buy a house even if I'm just holding it for two years. All right, so all this can be a bit sort of confusing and really create some uncertainty, right? Well, how do I know what the house that I'm potentially going to buy, how do I know what it's actually going to appreciate by? Do I use some big national average? Do I use the averages for the local market? Do I have to start researching very thoroughly the, the actual prices of houses in the neighborhood I'm looking at and see how much they're appreciating? I mean, that would be the ideal scenario. It's obviously also a lot of work. And also because you'll never really know your the return and how much the house will appreciate. We can only just assume and, and sort of speculate. Because you don't know that, just be very, very conservative in the numbers that you use. That is something that I would definitely recommend. 
Also, another reason to be conservative is, for example, the economy could tank again, for example, during the time that you own the house. And in that case, maybe the return on investment on your, let's say, stock portfolio is going to be very, very low, and that's going to skew your results. And the thing, too, is once you start running these numbers and you start looking at these variables, you'll notice that there's all these different assumptions that you have to make, and no one knows this. I mean, we really don't know what the economy is going to do next year, what the economy is going to do for the next 20 years. Are interest rates going to go up? Well, when are they going to go up? How much are they going to go up? For how long will they stay that high? We don't really know any of this. And yet, if you do want to get an answer, this is the kind of information that you do have to enter into the calculator. And it's better to have that information in there than just to ignore it altogether. So the calculator is great, and I, I absolutely love this tool. But just keep in mind that when you are doing these sort of predictions, you're assuming a lot of things that nobody really knows. And so that's another reason why, one, you want to be conservative when you're making these estimates, like what is the appreciation of the house going to be, for instance. But at the same time, this is another huge reason why it's important to consider the lifestyle factors that we considered earlier. Because it's not just about the money. It's about, do you want the ability to be able to move easily? Do you want to be able to have something that is your own, you know, the other advantages of buying, such as do I not have to worry about the landlord kicking me out, right? Because if you own a house, no one can really kick you out versus if you're renting, they can. And so this is why it's critical to look at the entire picture as opposed to just the money based on a set of assumptions. You definitely want to go through these calculations. You want to look at the calculator because in your particular city or where you're looking to move, it may be, it may say something like, look, it's even with conservative estimates, it's going to take you 20 years to make it worthwhile to own a home in that area versus just renting and investing the difference that you're saving. So in that case, I mean, that that's that's a pretty huge thing. That should really impact your decision. So you should definitely use the calculator because if the answer is 20 years and you're only planning on staying in that city for five or, or maybe two years, well, you know, that's a pretty big issue. And ultimately, once you start playing with this calculator, plugging in the different numbers, you look at the lifestyle factors that I've already discussed, really, you'll realize that you really should not be buying a house if you're just planning on living there for a few years. Now, maybe you'll think that where you buy the house, the, the house prices are going to skyrocket the moment that you purchase the house, and therefore the house is going to be a worthwhile investment. But realize now that if you are doing that, you're basically speculating. And so you're betting thousands, potentially tens of thousands of dollars on that bet. So the market doesn't go up as much as you thought it would, you could basically lose a lot of money. If the house prices actually go down in that neighborhood for some reason, you're losing even more. So now do you really want the, the stress, the headache, the risk of speculating and always crossing your fingers, hoping that the price of the house is going to go up because that's the only way that you're actually going to make any money. So overall, what I really recommend is to buy a house if you're willing to settle down and want to be there for the long term. Now, unfortunately, I can't say something like, well, you have to hold your house for a minimum of five years. And, you know, that's the magic number. I can't say something like that. And I think now if you've listened to this entire podcast, you realize why that is, right? There's just too many lifestyle factors that can be difficult to put a dollar figure on. And then there are the actual financial components too, but those also come with a whole set of assumptions. So if you've done the numbers, considered the lifestyle factors, and decided that, yes, I would definitely like to buy a house, then naturally the next question is, well, how much does it actually cost 
to purchase a house. Can I actually afford it? What are all the fees that I have to pay? The last thing you want is you want them buying a house, you move in there, everything seems good, and then you get a bill or a few bills totaling to several thousand dollars and you don't have the money to pay for them because you just spent all your money buying that house. Obviously, that's not a situation you want to be in. And so it's critical to know both what is that initial cash outlay that I have to have to purchase the house and then what is the ongoing cost of keeping that house. And so that is what we're going to be covering in the next podcast episode. All right, so that is all for this episode. I realize it was a pretty long episode to say the least. But once again, this is something that I wanted to to do to give you a nice thorough understanding of all the things that should be part of your decision whether you decide to buy or rent and because once again you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on a house this is something that it really is worth figuring out and then thinking about and making sure that you basically have considered all the different options and have considered all the different things that can factor into your decision. All right, so on that note, definitely check out the show notes for this episode where I cover all the different points. There's a nice summary in there for you as well so you can quickly go through it if you want just to see, make sure that you do have all of your bases covered when it comes to this decision. Also, the link to the online calculator is there that I mentioned what basically helps you decide whether you should buy or rent. And while you're there, definitely sign up for the Build Wealth Canada newsletter so that you know when new episodes of the podcast are coming out, especially our next one, which looks into what is the actual cost of purchasing a house just to make sure that you're not caught off guard by any surprise expenses when you go and decide to purchase a home. And last but not least, like I say in my previous episodes, if you did like this episode, if you are enjoying the podcast, definitely go to iTunes and please give this podcast a review. It would really help with the podcast. Really, it would help get it out there to other Canadians. And it's something that I would really appreciate. So if that's not a problem, I'd love for you to do that. Once again, the URL for the show notes for this episode are buildwealthcanada.ca slash three. All right, I'll see you in the next episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Build Wealth Canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca.